Good morning, everybody. Happy uh, Tuesday. Jumping back into the podcast. Welcome everyone else who's listening online. This is the Explicit Measures podcast, where Seth, Mike, and Tommy just make up stuff and have fun and talk about things. <laughs> so, take good a- morning. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Happy Tuesday. Excellent. So, some some news I want to start off with uh, for for this week. There's actually been a couple couple announcements. The desktop for Power BI Desktop has been a little bit delayed, but it's finally out. So that's a that's a a good thing to see. There's some interesting new visuals in there. You get a paginated report visual that's now available inside desktop. And the one thing I'm really interested in around this week is this thing called a scanner API, an admin REST API. You guys, did you guys see that announcement? I, I did indeed, but before we hit that one, man, we need we need to pause just a second. And okay. Give Christopher Finland a little love, because <laughs> true. That, that's a so. What is paginated reports? The visual do within Power BI. That's a true statement, right? So it it is a technically a visual now within the Power BI report page that does a lot of things, right? Because I, I mean. If you think about it, one of the biggest gripes people have had right from the get-go is, you know, I can't export it. I can't export right. all my data. Like, yeah, that's not what that's not what this tool is designed to do. It's designed to answer your questions, not dump a bunch <laughs> of data at you. But I mean, you're not going to change that mentality. Correct. So, literally, this visual gets rid of if any if if it does nothing else, it gets rid of the hundred and fifty thousand row limit for <laughs> exporting. That's true. That's true. Now, I I haven't played with it yet. Yet, yet to test it in detail. In full transparency, right? But based on the blog, you know, it sounds like you can either do a, an automatic interaction of filtering or set a bunch of filters and then apply them. Push them. Which is very, very similar to, you know, a, a paginated experience. But I'm also very interested in, in uh, whether or not it gives me a better matrix in the table, right? You know? <laughs> Like, well, does that, that experience that work? Full styling. How seamless is that experience? Yeah. So I'm a little nervous about the, uh, you know, turn it on in an automated fashion because there's even a, a line in there around like performance may not be <laughs> what you want it to be. Um, but definitely excited to kick the tires <laughs> on it for it, sure. Just and it has to see paging. what the interactions are. That's it. Yeah. So one thing it does have that that tw- normal table visuals doesn't yeah. does not have is paging, where you have numbers of pages that you can kind of go to. And again, my biggest gripe with the tables inside desktop is. You're looking at maybe 100 rows, maybe 50 rows at a time because the visual can only get so large. So what's the point of putting a table there if you can only see 50 pieces of data? Now, I get that you want to filter stuff on the page and get down to 5 or 6 or 10 or 11, you know, the information that's relevant in a table. But I feel like there should be visuals we should put in front of that that get you to your insight and then drill to like a separate page where you just have a couple rows of information where you need to see it. So. I think tables need to be there. I think how you get to a table and how you get to the data of the table is should be a little bit different. Now, paginated reports, for those of you who are older in the data space, is grown out of SSRS. So it's, it's, it's basically SQL Server reporting services with a little bit of an analysis services flair to let you connect to different data sets, I think. They've done a little bit of other polishing around it too, but it's basically the same program, right? Flare, 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 yeah. flare. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's it pix- pixel perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's designed to dump out tables and matrices of information. Yeah, uh, yeah. So excited to kick the tires on it for cool. sure. Um, yeah, opens up you know new scenarios. But but to your right. point, there is actually something more. Something. Exciting. Yeah, I think so. Well, at least from the administration side. Yeah. So I mean, I, while I love the pageant reports, I think it solves a lot of problems that Seth and I are working on a client for to dealing with right now. Like. There's real issues today that this may solve, which is awesome. So I'm really excited about that part. But I think the scanner API is the one I'm actually more excited about right now. Yeah. So for well, the, go ahead, Tommy. Explain okay, us. What you, uh, do you know what it is? Yeah, I, I was able to read it. So I apologize, yep. guys, for the odd look. I'm in vacation. My voice is gone because I'm with a bunch of Italians and <laughs> my family. So, but I that Microsoft always drops these major things. You go on vacation. I'm, yeah. 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 Like, come on. You need so to go on vacation I'll, I'll, more. So I'll, I, I didn't read it, but I'm sure you've looked a lot more into it. So I'll let you talk, but I'll tell you, I do have opinions. Okay. I have some thoughts. Start with it. Go ahead. Drop in some opinions. So, 
Okay, yeah, so the biggest thing is this goes really back to some of our previous episodes where one, why do you keep up with things? Yes. This is a this is test this is case one why you should keep up with things in the Power BI world. Because this is basically an ability and I I cannot wait to see what people do with this and yeah. share with us. And I think that's gonna be the best part because it's one of those I may not know exactly how to configure it yet, but someone's gonna develop a template or an external tool or something that connects mm -hmm. to this. And there's going to be the documentation we talked about. Yep. I mean, this, I think, deprecates some of the things we've been doing at CompTIA immediately. Agreed. Um, because it, it's going to be, it's it's purview. It's what we talked about we want a purview to be. Yeah. At the detail level that we need it to be. Yeah, like not, exactly. Um, not exactly. just, not or just, hey, BI. I'm linking to a Power BI report. Okay, who cares? Like, I have a table that links to a report. Not right. helpful. Like, I need to know, like, what are all the measures? What are the columns? What are the, you know, and so I, I this is the two-way street too, I feel like. I mean, I would really like to be able to scan all the measures and then have a nice complete list of measures and then right. push back into each measure a description. Or a, for my entire I, tenant. Yeah. Did I, did I, did I miss the actual detail of what we're excited about here? Did somebody <laughs> actually describe what we're talking about to the audience? Oh, oh we did not yet. We still have so, not. Probably do that before we, we should talk probably, about should probably like get. So that, that was this my is the most. This is the greatest thing ever. Go read so it let's while move we're on talking. To the main topic. Yeah, let's move on to the main topic and leave everyone like, what the heck was that? <laughs> so, so let's go. What is the scanner API? The scanner API is 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 a tool that gives you API permissions to go get any tenant level. So this is across your entire tenant, any metadata around your Power BI APIs. So I think. That's so the idea is you can go get artifacts around like tables, what are what columns, what measures are being used. So it's supposed to be a, allow you to go quickly groom or grab the information from all of your data models. And it there is some details in here, right? It's it basically caches the models that are live. So if you have a model and it's actually on the server and running, it caches the details for you. And so it's a very quick response to get you those answers back. In models that it has not recently loaded, I think it takes a little bit longer because those items are not cached. So the models, if the model is sitting in your tenant and it's not actively being used, sometimes it can get kicked off the tenant. It's it's called uh, what do they call it when they kick out a data set? They the evoke they evict a data set from the analysis services, and so those evicted data sets might have a little bit longer lead time. They get you the details because it has to read through that data set to get you the answers, but you have this ability to go through and, and see all the metadata that makes up your models, which is huge. It's incredible. Yeah. Right. So so access to every deployed model that has the the, the data set, the table, mm -hmm. the columns, the measures in the column. Yep. And even in the description of, you know, the the blog, it looks like Rui, you know, built a, a report around this showing, yeah. you know, the description. So it's like mm -hmm. it's it's the DMVs or the underlying parts of the right. model that yeah. Dude, this is huge from a documentation standpoint. Yeah. Like, absolutely huge. Like, I don't need to go, like, what we've been doing in our org is is manually snapshotting and yep. showing this stuff and then, like, throwing it in some tool for a different business <laughs> unit to go reference. And it's like, I can just have a report now. Right. Like, that changes by itself. Yeah. Like, Woohoo! Like, so, huge. things in sliced bread, man. I'm, I'm going to invoke a word that we use sparingly now, but this is absolutely a, a game, game changer. changer. Game changer. <laughs> yeah, well, with the, whatever um, graphic you have, Mike, you can put that on now. Yeah. Game changer. Game changer. We need to productionalize this. Uh, <laughs> we need to get a, here. Need to get a fancy graphic for that. No, but really, it really, I mean, when I first, when Mike, when you posted the article, I was probably eating pizza or doing something again. <laughs> something very, very Italian right now. Very, very busy. Very busy. Um, <laughs> so, but and I, I read it and I was like, you gotta be kidding! Like, it, this is absolutely going to solve. I mean, not just problems, but it's going to create scenarios that I, I think we're not even aware of yet. It's going to create solutions that I think we're not even aware of because yep. it's going to, from that automation standpoint, but also to provide. And from what you what, what you'll have the control, it's not like a template report. And I think that was the thing that you'd be worried about. It's like, yes, we'll give you it, but this is what you get. We'll have the data so the Power BI author or the admin can configure it like the, the what they want to present in the way they need to present it. And yes. I think that's going to be the biggest help for us. 
I will I will say like as I'm looking at this, I looked at this feature, and I instantly walked back because they said about first party and third party tools to use this API yeah. to get documented, and I thought, okay, I need to take another look at Purview because I want to see the cost structure. I've heard I've heard things about Purview, which is a a, a documentation tool essentially all your environment big data sql servers mm -hmm. and now with this edition it's going to integrate more closely with what the power bi data models are doing and so if that tool can give me more of a lineage perspective from hey this data came out of this spark delta table and came into this sql mm -hmm. server and then came into this power bi report and then by the way here's the columns yeah. and then the measures if i can actually walk my way through yeah. that, that story chain all the way through, all the way through yep. i feel like this would give me a much better a richer documentation, so I should spend real time building out that tree of of mm -hmm. things, even if, even if it's a bit more manual, right? I mean, I don't. I'm just worried about this, the, the cost of it. Like, I just don't know how how expensive Purview is going to be compared to what oh, I want to use. You're it for. saying you're saying Purview, but there's no cost yeah. to this. No, no, this, this is, is completely no license. Agree, yeah. Agreed. The API has no cost to it, but I'm thinking like I, yes, I, well, but I don't want to build anything from scratch. Yeah, but you're getting you're 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 jumping from the the thing we were worried about as far as granularity right of how mm -hmm. getting down like purview doesn't give us this level of detail well yes. this is the level of detail yes like if you're mm -hmm. gonna buy a cataloging tool right to to end to end just yes. automate your your painful part of the job yep you know that's purview or it's you know yeah. one of the other third-party tools right and um, i'm definitely looking at this from a user experience that you can create that user yeah. catalog so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thinking maybe more of an enterprise grade portion of this is why so like I'm thinking about I'm training other engineers on our team and I need to teach them like hey here's how our data flowed from this raw space all the way mm -hmm. through to like here's the report and where the report stuff lives so in my world I'm thinking like that that's the kind of detail that I want to produce yeah uh, with in addition to like okay we need to report that yeah. the documents all this well, stuff too but like your data catalog Tommy that you built in Power Apps yeah. would be a great candidate to like dump right. everything out into a format and then your your power view your power apps can just yeah. consume those tables of information right and let people add well, what they want to add i don't want to talk about saving money the amount of time it doesn't manually do that we are this is a great candidate <laughs> so i mean i I'm, I'm not like i guess my point here mike is these aren't two different things documentation right. is documentation yeah mm -hmm. it's ex it's external <laughs> facing or process flow yep internal right yep. like i'm bringing on <laughs> Poor, right. poor people right now. I'm bringing on new people, right? And I can't, like, you can't connect the dots for them because we didn't take the time and due diligence to go back <laughs> and revisit all the things because we're moving too fast, right? Well, it just takes I think time. Every, yeah, a lot yeah. of orgs face the same issue, right? Yes. So you're you're willing to pay for for tools that allow you to do that or help figure out. Agreed. Is it's, this is this a topic for our conversation? Yeah, was, oh, yeah it's not even it's not well, the topic for, for today. Podcast, and we will push everything back. So yes. we're just gonna talk about how excited we are. Well, yes, yeah, so let's let's move on to the real topic. So, uh, real topic: If I were James Phillips for a year, so uh, Seth, who is James Phillips, and why would we want to be him for a year? Let's start with that one. James Phillips is is the man he is behind the man. Power BI. Yes, the man. Uh, we'll leave it at that. I th I think his his title right now is is president of, uh. Well, for lack of a better word, like the power platform and and everything in there, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, so the the whole scope of whatever that product portfolio of you know Dynamics three sixty five power platform, Azure Data Platform, IoT, et cetera, et cetera, at Microsoft. I think he's been there twelve years or something. So he and he was pivotal in a lot of this. So, so early story, just yeah. about James in general, like what was happening at the very beginning when Power BI kind of came out? Power BI was originally, so the analysis services or the data mashup engine, I think kind of started in pivot tables in Excel originally. And this was a tool that was there with an add-in very early on. I think 2010 was around things when things started kind of bubbling up. Then uh, I believe there was a SharePoint BI version of this where you could actually build like reports online and then it would kind of you could click on a visual and then things would interact between visuals so there was something that was going on there um but you had power you had power view power view natural stepping stone yeah, right so power, view, power view and power maps and power and then, query like and power query those are all right. three amazing experience. The visual layers of those right yep. we're, we're kind of yeah. like here's excel yep and then i think they said power bi 
is let's slap this into SharePoint. Yes. (laughs) It was an amazing experience for those who did not want to do Power BI. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, and, and James was like, I'm just going to put in here. Like the, the, like to me, this was a nightmare because reporting services in SharePoint is what I lived for like five years before this. And it was (laughs) not fun. Right. So, so James kind of came in. So I think around this time, James comes in and goes, this is not going to work. Power BI needs to innovate faster and on its own and kind of, I think kind of forced, like forced into the decision. Like we've got to, we've, we've got to pitch for Power BI to be its own thing. And so it turned into a separate application, Power BI design, oh, Power BI designer, right? Was the original mm-hmm. application mm-hmm. name. And so yeah. it became, it got pulled out of Excel. It got pulled out of SharePoint and became a standalone application that was Power BI designer. And from there, it just kind of kept growing and growing and slowly in the beginning, it was just kind of a, a slow churn. And then eventually it turned into Power BI desktop within, I think around early 2015, late 2015, early 2015, the summer, the summer, yeah. summer around 2015. And then from there, it's been Power BI desktop since then. And it's just grown like crazy right now. I sent a little, so much so, uh, I sent out a little tweet on, um, or, or text on Twitter, I think, and LinkedIn. And I did a, search by Tableau software, Power BI as a topic, and click. So the top three people in the Gartner upper quadrant, Microsoft, Power BI, Tableau, and click. And you can actually go to Google and you go Google Trends and you can see how many search terms people are searching for various things. And it gives you like a ratio. It doesn't, it just percentages of whatever you selected. What is the percentage of people searching for those topics? And I believe in the last two or three months has the first time Power BI has overtaken the amount of search term volume from Tableau. And Tableau is actually kind of apexed and, and they're kind of decre- declining at this point. And Power BI is now eating more of that market share around search and things people are interested in Power BI, which I find very fascinating because I think this is a really big turning point for Microsoft at this point. I was actually surprised that it just happened too. I, I could have sworn that this, that occurred previously. There is a million different ways you can put that data into sure. the Google the Google search terms because it's different search terms and how you search for things. So I tried to pick things that were similar. So that's the topic of yeah. Tableau software, the topic of Power BI, and the topic of mm-hmm. Click. Um, so again, regardless, it's just it's very encouraging to me that I put a lot of the Michael's careers in the hands of <laughs> Power BI, and I and I'm very encouraged that that uh, that direction has been just upward growing and taking market share and and doing better. So feel really good about the direction they're going there. I think they're actually doing a, a, an amazing job. And a lot of that attributed to James and his vision for this was a pivotal moment, pulling it out, doing its own thing and, and pushing the direction the way it has been, has been going. So I think it's been a, a very good decision. And I think none of us are saying with, with the topic today, none of us are saying we can do a better job. If oh, anything, heck no, no, heck no. no. If anything, as we're writing down, because we basically were doing the $100 budget idea. Yes. And as I was writing this down, I was like, I'm glad I'm not James Phillips. He's got some hard decisions to make. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I just want to say the first thing I would do is I would reach out to the Teams group and make sure that joining and, uh, you know, <laughs> Teams meetings, uh, especially over video, a better experience. Yeah. I'll put $50 into that out of my 100 So <laughs> so, so let's, do, let's do our $100 gift, right? So what, yeah. we, what we do is... Uh, let's, we have a $100 budget. We have a $100 budget, and you can build... So, we, we would like to, you know, project forward, right? We've, we've seen the direction of where Power BI is going. We, we kind of get a, a feel for, like, what we would want to be building uh, as Power BI daily users. So I'm going to give each one of us $100, and you can spend however much of that money on whatever feature, team, hiring, like, however you, want, however you feel like you need to go next. Spend some money and figure out where your $100 goes to uh, the further development of Power BI, Power Platform, Dynamics, whatever that may be, that mix is. So let's go. Let's go with Tommy. Tommy, you've given, you've been just been given a hundred dollars. You're James Phillips for more than enough for 2021. No. You into 2022. Sure. You've got 12 months to, to develop things. Where do you put your one hundred dollar bills or so your dollars I'm, from your one hundred? Yeah. So I'm putting the first forty dollars into Power Apps and Power BI. Not necessarily staying coarse, but I'm doing $20 on Power BI and I'm doing desktop UI. And then I'm doing 
a lot of focus on the UI experience and the service for users. So I'm saying, how can I make that experience even better for not just the people who are creating the reports, but the people who are consuming the data. So from the executive to the operations to the to the to the analyst, how can I make that experience better in the service? And then I'm also working on desktop, but that's where I really am focusing Power BI for the next year is let's really improve that experience, whether it's from when I land on Power BI home to how do I navigate to whatever my team can think of. I want this experience to be completely enhanced, upgraded. Um, I think they can dream of amazing things, but I'm going to leave that to their hands, but I'm going to give them the resources to do so. Sure. I'm putting $20 in um, Power Apps, and what I'm doing here is I'm doing the the application for the builder. So right now, Power Apps is doing a lot with, mm-hmm. they just have the uh, VS Code extensions. They're doing a lot with the enterprise, the, the, the pro dev. Yeah. I'm giving more tools, not because... You know, I'm selfish or anything on this, or and I'm doing a lot with this, and um, but I'm giving more tools to the low, the um, the citizen developer. Mm. So right now, it's they still have the tools like the browser software, but if you want to really enhance your Power Apps experience, you need to be a pro dev. You need to use the uh, VS Code extension. You need to use a command line. Sure, because they're doing they're doing a lot of amazing things with that. But I don't think that. There's a lot more people who are citizen developers, so to speak, or what they would label that. And I'm giving them a much better experience. I'm giving them more tools. So I want to develop some type of tool for them, whether it's a third party or something that can enhance building a power app without having to go into VS Code. Okay. So do you want me to go through all the whole hundred or do we want to stop at any point like halfway through? Well, I, I think these are good points. I have not used Power Apps as much as you, Tommy, and I'm actually curious more about your. I'm going to kind of dig into your yeah. your Pro Tools there on the on the Power Apps side. I'm so I use desktop, and I know you were really kind of bent yeah. out of shape when they pulled out the desktop tool and made it more uh, in the web browser. Still am. I, I, okay, still still, still bent on that one. <laughs> so so are you saying in your more citizen developer tools? Are you saying more uh, more richness inside studio code are you saying actually bring yeah. back the desktop power app builder and do it there like what do you what's your thought so on what's your I, take on that if i was james Fools, i would say just build application for me so just so i can have it but obviously we're thinking <laughs> you know james Fools also being successful and that's what we all care about here so uh i personally would have it in a second and i would just say Bring it back, re undeprecate it, whatever you need to do. But what I would do is just that experience. So the experience is fine, but I think they're missing. There's the low code guy and there's the pro code guy. But there's, I think a lot of people are in between where I'm the some code guy. And um, that guy is doing a lot of, you know, functions in PowerFX in Power Apps. Sure. They're on start. They they have a very good understanding, but they don't come from a developer background. Yeah. And I, I you see the, you know, you see this a lot on the forums where that's the kind of the, the starting point. So that person's not going to be able to, the tools right now are like, just open command line and run this, you know, build a build C, mm. CMD. You're like, well, I've never seen this before. You know, I've never done a C plus yeah, yeah. or C sharp. Um, so I would say like that experience of, I, I really understand power apps. I understand the functional language, yeah. but I need this to be more productive because right now it's mm. basically like an Excel formula bar, but it, with the way power, the way power apps works, that's not the best experience because you almost want to see the functions that you're doing and test it out in a different er- interface. Yeah. Because most, the biggest thing is you need to be more productive because you are trying to understand what button, the name of a button, and make that behavior. Well, you have to click on that button to know which button you're talking about unless you renamed it. So that experience of like, okay, mm. I want this button to do this and on select this, change the color here. Yeah. So to go to the, the different properties, is it's it's possible and it's obviously more than doable, yeah. but I would enhance that experience to make that easier for that middleman. Okay, so I get it. That's, that's, yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. And then bring up back desktop. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Have you I ever agree. have you ever built forms in Visual Basic? No. Okay. This to what you're describing to me sounds a bit more like that. In, okay. in there's like a Visual Basic 
UI where you can kind of drag stuff onto a page mm -hmm. and you click it and there's <clears> settings and features there. And I, I'm with you. I think there's actually the I'm, the reason I'm I'm saying this is I I like where this is going, but I feel like a lot when you made that comment, I felt like there's another conversation that's happening here. Is like we want Power Apps to be like apps PowerPoint for apps or something like that. You know, something like that because. The way the, the UI is structured, you kind of have like this canvas where the app goes and you have this bar on the side, the menu item that's just, you click on things and stuff, uh, settings appear. Right. And it kind of, to me, feels a bit more like this PowerPoint slide thing again, where you have a, a locked in ribbon. And I'm, I'm with you, Tommy. I think there are, I think the tooling we have today can grow. And this, I feel like mm -hmm. the same thing about Power BI Desktop, right? There's so many yeah. different panes that are inside desktop. I would actually prefer a bit more pro developer level inside desktop where I could pull out some of these extra panes. Like I, I really do expect an experience more like yeah. modeling data as if I'm getting in like a tabular editor. Like I feel like the similar kind of pro tooling around that would make sense. And so maybe, maybe it's the idea of Microsoft builds the standard of how you mm -hmm. would talk to the application that is yeah. power apps and you let other, the community like a, you know, like a tabular editor type thing come right. into that and let them build how to automatically build this stuff, build templates, build things that are reusable that you could scri start scripting yeah. things out and start automating builds and like doing some more of that medium code level where I, yeah. I, it's easier, but it's, it gives me, an, I have like a, a richer tool that can do more of the things. And I, and I understand, yeah, and I absolutely, because I understand why they took away, they deprecated desktop because it's not, it's not a local model. Yeah. You're connecting the data. It's, you know, it's really relying on the service to do a lot more things compared to the engine already in Power BI. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But but, but again, that's where I, so that's that's forty dollars already right right off the bat. You're done. You're cut off. Man. <laughs> that's it. You spent, All right. Your your next sixty need to go in two minutes. <laughs> okay. I thought we're okay. So we're gonna. I'm just kidding. gonna finish I'm off. Kidding. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would love to hear you guys. Where are you spending the bulk of your money? That's really good. Not, I wasn't serious, Tommy. Oh, you can keep well, going. Well, I think it'd be better again. The, if cohesion, from the, cohesion. If, I if say, I say go the, through, go yeah, through your go hundred okay. bucks. Let's go through your hundred bucks. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I'm I'm taking so notes 20? here on your on your money too, so we kind Perfect. of know what you were talking about too. So to make sure I actually do a hundred. Exactly. Yeah, I had to check the last time we did this. I actually had went back and read. I'm like, I don't think I did a hundred. I think my math was off. But <laughs> I think you pocketed I think this five. Time I got it. I wrote it on paper, so <laughs> definitely I'm not going to be wrong here. Um, so um, the next $20, so now $60 of mine, is going to be on the synergy of the Power Platform. I want better synergy, and I want to focus on this. So from the developer to the user experience to just how the products interact with each other, I'm spending another 20 here. Yeah. And again, that's a pretty big bulk of it, but I want this to be a better experience. And I, I want this to be not just a better one, not that it's a poor experience now, yeah. but I think there's a lot more you can do with this ecosystem sure. that I want that integration to be seamless. And they're doing a great job with it, but I'm saying full steam ahead. Yeah. So next thing I'm doing, next 15 bucks, so okay, 75 bucks, I'm working on goals and deployment in Power BI. And again, we're probably going to be more Power BI centric. It is a Power BI podcast, but I'm working True. on how are we, uh, I'm going to be working on that deployment pipelines and I'm working on goals and I, I don't want them to forget about them. I want them to, if anything, push more towards that goal experience to say, I want this to be a centerpiece in Power BI. I one of the centerpieces in Power BI. Yeah. And the next thing I wanted to do is I want to revamp deployment pipelines. I don't think it would take a large part of my, my budget to do so, mm -hmm. but I do, I don't, but I think they need to reinvent the wheel a little. $5, I'm doing community, third-party tools, uh, the experience, training, basically investing in the community for my, having a Microsoft rep at each building since we're opening up things. So I'm also putting $5 into there. So now we're at $80. i am doing $5 on desktop, but the $15 that I really want to focus on after my bulk is I'm doing $15 on what I'm calling the iPod for Azure. Azure. Ooh. And what I mean by this is Right now, like from purview to what they're they're doing a lot more a lot more integration between Power BI and Azure, mm -hmm. um, which is great. However, there's a lot of hoops you need to jump through in order to get some of this set up. The log analytics, purview, um, okay, 
there's a few other things that I know that they've been talking about are coming down the on on the roadmap that yep. they want that integration, but that to set up is not an easy process. You yeah. need an admin. You need what region are you in? There's a lot of steps, and I understand it's a complicated thing. Like yep. so, I'm not saying why isn't it easy. It's it's complicated. It in by I think maybe by design. But what I want to do with my 15, with the the rest of my budget is I want to make this seamless somehow. Make this easy to get into. I want that Power BI Pro who is at a company to be able to go, oh, Azure connection. And just like when you bought, and the reason I said the iPod for Azure or like the iPod mini is because when you bought the iPod mini for 50 bucks, yeah, you now are connected to the Apple ecosystem where now, oh, look, iTunes. I should buy a song for 99 cents. And now like, oh, wow, you know what would be great? And an iMac. And that person gets really involved, but it's almost without thinking they just bought the they just wanted to run with some music attached to their attached their waist that's what i want azure to be for that power bi pro i want this to be a seamless experience for some of those features that we're offering between power bi where it just here's how to connect we're going to offer this for three months um all you have to do is click this button and we'll help you set everything up not what region are you make sure your resource group is in also east too you know and all these things that someone who may not know azure as well because maybe they're making that the idea that if you're do power bi then you know azure as well i disagree with that yeah the admin does but i want this experience i want to happen in three months is the power bi pro to be so dependent on Azure and those services that they integrate, where they are pleading to their admin to say, please, we need this. We need this after three months of dependency. So that's where I'm spending $15 to make that that experience seamless. Interesting. You, and I believe that is $100. It is $100. And your your, your right. stuff is going to be way more well thought out than my stuff and <laughs> uh, because I'm changing some of my things as we go here. So my, I may not even make it to 100 bucks. So... Uh, okay. with, with that, you had some really good points in there. Um, I mean, I'm I liked your idea around the iPod for Azure, like the almost like the make it easy for me, put put it put all the items in a store that's easy for me to get to, and just kind of make it work. And I think that's yeah, I, I like that. That's a that's an interesting concept there. I didn't hear you talking about any development on Dynamics. Yeah, um, I th- <laughs> we'll say that's the. T- <laughs> That's the 20. How about this? I'll switch $20 between the power platform integration with dynamics. No, I'm with so, you. I'm, there you go. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just we'll picking on you that. there. Yes. So, right. well, I'm going to edit this before and say dynamics 20. <laughs> and that's going to be part of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Done. All right. Seth, what, where, how would you spend your money? Well, I, I mean, in, in, in the role as a president, right? Like you, you're you're focused on what's the next big thing, right? Mm-hmm. How how do you what's the the next big virtual step with all these tools? And that's a that's a big topic big for question. five five minutes to dump out. But yeah, if I'm gonna, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna bring it up on a, a little higher. I I had three, but I I, I have four now because I stole one of Tommy's. Much of what <laughs> you're doing, right? I I'm solve I, I'm taking forty for data problems. Wow. I'm taking 40 for process problems. I'm taking 10 for visual experience and I'm taking 10 for community because this no tool, you know, stays alive without a vibrant community. Um, But, but dialing it back, like those are the the really high level areas. So what do I mean by like the data problems? And it's funny how, as I go through this thought exercise, I'm, I'm seeing and probably taking cues off some of the things that we've already seen, right? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be cool to be a fly on the wall to actually know what the the higher level plans were, but yeah. I'm, I'm leveraging AI, right? Which they're starting mm-hmm. to do. I'm simplifying some of the harder tasks because ultimately all of my money being spent should be solving the largest problems in business. Yep. Right. And so we're, we're building productivity tools. I think the better, faster, stronger, method like you know we're we, you have tool sets that are now overwhelming competition that you start to more morph into you know more of refinement and precision and and leveraging some of the newest technologies that people aren't even thinking about right now right so ai is one of those simplified dax i mean if we're going to bring it down to a, a product level yeah yeah it's 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 dax and drag and drop etl or um outlining errors 
recommending triage? How do you fix some of the data errors that cause you inherent problems when you're building a model or yep. how you're cleaning data or writing that back to your source system or, you know, some something to that effect where data is a large part of our lives every single day, right? Yeah. And, and dirty garbage in, garbage out, right? right. So leveraging those machine learning tools and the algorithms to, you know, read a system and spit out potential solutions. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, 40% in solving process problems, right? Where are the breakdowns in communication and information in an organization? Mm. Like these tool sets that are under me or under James, right? Like are, are geared to solve these things. And what's ironic is like, have I watched his recent presentation where he probably outlines his roadmap? No, <laughs> right? Like, so like how far off are we for uh, oh, you know, yeah. any of our audience <laughs> that has watched? Has actually, that um, Comment, but it, yeah. you know, to, to Tommy's point, you know, integration between tool sets is, is you know, streamlines that road. Yeah. Um, discoverability of, of data, right? And, yeah. and some of the really cool stuff that we've even seen purview this new API, like, how do you, how do you make that process of pain when you're ultimately like developing at fast paces? Because if the same repeated conversations we have over and over and over again yeah. are the same in all the organizations. So if you create what they're doing as far as like leveraging an automated way to to discover where data is coming from and going, that's a huge win. Like, of course, I'm going to buy that tool set where I can plug into these things. Um, I love the fact that they're they're integrating with third party tools all the time, though, right? It's not just this. I'm Microsoft, and you have to use our tools. It's like, man, no, you know, here's some core systems you need to be plugged into, but you you can use your own cataloging tool and things like that. Um, and and I think the other is like, you know, from a, a tool specific is bringing Power BI into the day to day, and I, I already see that right. Teams integration, day -day, yeah. SharePoint, um, you know, like. The the next level of this is where we start taking, I think, some of the just the insights and bringing them forward, right? And saying, hey, you're working in this space, you know, uh, did you have a question around, you know, like maybe using natural language Q&A, but it's AI automated, right? Having your own helper screen on the side, right? Like, oh, crap, uh, what was that metric? Did it do, you know, and it just goes and finds it because it's part of something. Um, and then visual experience, man. I mean, you know, this is a huge pain point for us, uh, whether that's in the tools or output, specifically more so on the output, you know, how people interact with with Power BI and that data yeah. is so important. Yeah. And yeah. you, you need that. to have more flexibility in how people are interacting to have a unified experience across these platforms. Yeah. So UI UX, which typically I don't think has been a major part of of you know kind of microsoft in general it may i mean that's I agree a with huge that. overblown statement but like where i live <laughs> i could certainly use a lot more flexibility in in how i want to build things how i want to present things because making things look good is is very important on top of data sets um when and then yeah. like i said 10 percent community when you say UI UX, are you talking about from being able to design the report or are you talking about that the you like the gooey the gooey experience for a consumer or in general like and when I go to app.powerbi.com, um no I, I'm I'm saying what I can create okay right? so okay. more more content based. I don't even care if it was more difficult right just give yes. give more flexibility yes. in that in that U, UI and beautification okay. property like yeah plug in a third party tool. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Like the fat, like make, let me, uh, let me pick that theme and take it further. Let me, you know, change and modify, you know, and, and there are, but it's just too painful. We'll make, right it now. Like, make it accessible. Articulate. Right. Like, right. That's, that takes a five part series by Mike Carlo, uh, which uh, you can find. Try 11, try 11. It's coming up to 11, 11 here now. Two, right. Yeah. You know, like well, how do you build stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you want know, a so, gallery? Here's five data sets you'll never use in your entire life. So yeah. yeah. And and we talked about that last time, right? right. Like yeah. like mm -hmm. uh custom visuals, that's great, but I can't put more than two on a page because there's no continuity between them. You know, that kind of stuff. So. Yep. Yep. I like what that about one. you? What about you, Mike? So I've been I've been shifting my money around. I think I'm back up to eighty dollars. <laughs> I, I don't I have twenty dollars where I might just my pocket and take it home. Uh <laughs> But so so I'm gonna. This is gonna be kind of a mix of things where I know some of this stuff is Tommy's gonna actually love. So 
I'm going to lead with this one. I'm going to spend around $20 on building more standards around stuff, right? So, so Microsoft is, is big, right? And the initial phases of particularly Power BI, they had to make all the standards for all the things, right? They had to make the whole program run. So initially, Microsoft carried a grunt load of the work that made desktop run. They, they built the standards, they built the, the formatting, they had to figure out how to, all the internals of the program would work. What I would like to see is I'd like to see Microsoft starting to shift away from we have to own everything and make everything like a contract on how the application runs. I'd like them to start sharing or making a standard around that the same way they've done with um, the the BIM file. The, BIM, the, mm. the, the analysis services model has a standard on how it's changing or evolving or moving over time. And so this has enabled the the use of external tools. So I think Microsoft is very good at building like what is the standard and then letting that standard kind of run wild in the field and letting people and companies pick up other things. Like for example, SQL made by Microsoft, I think, actually might've been like their version of SQL, right? Is now being used in Databricks, which is an open source community tool that is a very solid language that helps you query and change and manipulate and move data around. And so many people know that now that other tools are able to pick up that same language and leverage it inside their tooling. And so now it becomes this very consistent experience across things. So I'd like to see things like that in, you know, a, a more standardized language around power apps. So we can bring, we can build these external tools with other companies, people who find value in them. And then those individuals can get like this extra oomph into this space. To Tommy's point, it's kind of, a it's the precursor to letting you to build pro tooling. There's a standard you can touch, you can work with, and that makes it better. Um, so that's where $20 of my my money is spent. So before you begin, first, I I love that point. And second, I, I don't know how much money I would give for James Phillips' next MBAS to be his first slide to say standards around stuff. <laughs> like what I would give. So then you know he's listening. Yeah, that's exactly. But he's not listening No, to I, I, I think that's a great point. It's kind of the all-encompassing where, yeah, they release something, kind of not forget it. It's a, yeah. here you go, it's, it's churning things out, yep. but then it's it, it can get lost. So I, I, I think that's a great I mean, $20. That, that that $20 could be spent, I mean, you can think about the number of ways that could be ha handled, right? That could be building standards around what Power Query is doing, right? So how, yeah. can, I get a, can I get an external tool that's doing more performance analysis and writing of Power Query? Um, the Power Query uh, IntelliSense inside desktop is not the greatest, but I need right. to write it, and I need that in other tools. Like so, like if I'm using Tabular Editor, I need to, I would like to be able to write M in that to make new tables to then push to a model that's in the service. Like so, the standards I think are really pivotal. Like it's a very core piece of what they need to produce, so that other tools can leverage that and then enrich the experience of just Pro Dev in general. Um, so I think that's one thing I would I'd spend my money on. So it's like perfecting things that are already in place. Yes, taking things okay. that are there and putting and hardening the code around it, so I could say, okay, this is the standard. And I think what that does, though, is when you do that, it will slow your development cycles down because that that um, it's it's a Dutch it's a, an advantage because you open it up, but it's a detriment because now you have to be more diligent around testing and code and right. there's a whole bunch of things that go along with that. So I think that's something I would spend some time on. Um, this is one's going to be a trigger for Tommy. I'm going to spend forty dollars on clouding all the things. Ah, I knew. I knew. I mean, uh, I'm not even surprised. You see me not even reacting here. <laughs> yeah, this is Tommy. I'm waiting for Tommy's it. like I, I, I knew it. Shivering. So this is, and what I mean by this is, um, the only way you can give full access to Power BI to every user across the planet is do it in a browser. Everyone has access to a browser at some level. So you've got to take all the tooling, and and this is Microsoft's mantra, right? You look at everything they've done in Azure, every company is moving towards put more things in the cloud. That is a trend. It will happen. The AI happens in the cloud. You're not doing it on-prem anymore. It's Which, it's just the direction. You've just got to keep pushing but, towards it. And but but the and why like like let's let's lay that out, right? Like the oh, fact man. that why the why is is because companies who are in the cloud can move so much faster correct so much faster if it and, were and like when you like don't give me that's wrong. why i'm putting money on it there are, there are <laughs> absolutely some no but it's a huge point out there yeah right like you you organizations need to invest in people who who are learning the cloud yep agreed you do because and managing your money out there is absolutely important but 
like get rid of the old I need infrastructure like in my, you know, repurpose that capital because you do not understand how fast other companies are moving when they are up and pivoting in the cloud all the time. Because the 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 amount of time it takes for somebody to spool up and do something in the cloud versus trying to do that on like it's not even a conversation anymore. You're just getting left in the dust. Yeah. And, and so, so that's a huge, yeah. huge point. Yes. So one thing, and, and, I'll, uh, one thing I'll point out here uh, too, Tommy, now, let me, let me bring the whole okay. conversation right, home here right. on this one. So Tommy's, Tommy's super prone. Like I need my desktop tools. I want it there. I, yeah, I would I say from an efficiency standpoint, so there's a couple, there's two reasons why I think this is a, a, a good move, right? One is whenever you have to have a desktop application and some sort of cloud application, you have to spend time developing both of them. So mm-hmm. if I can get everyone away from using the desktop and I can focus solely on one code base that is singly Power BI or Power Apps, all the stuff that's in, if that's one code base that I can quickly update, quickly patch, get hundreds of users across many different companies, if I can make that uniform, right? That's why you typically see um, report server, Power BI report server, like four months behind. Mm-hmm because it takes more time to test it. And they build those features in like, I don't know, desktop and in the service. And then they roll out those features slowly to report server. And so anyone who tells me is like, well, what about report server? I want to put that up on my, my organization. I said, no, I always recommend against it because you're always going to be four, you know, three to four months behind because desktop's moving so much faster. So that's, I want to bring- put it on the same cadence, right? Like it, you're I don't think always you- going to have- you're always going to have companies that that need to be local. Like, yeah, but they're always you know, depending they're, on what they're that, be depending on what depending on what that margin is, right? But then it, fine. You're you're on the slow cadence. You're on the slow roll. But the rest of us, will just keep you know. Going. So this this I think if you if if it goes to the way you're saying with the forty dollars invested and they would really go that direction, which you know what I think at this point I'm just I'm in the acceptance phase because. <laughs> <laughs> because you know why you know why i probably don't like it full transparency it this goes our next episode i believe is on like what does a power bi job look like in five years because this changes that completely it, like yes and no completely no for for you to for you to just oh yeah because for you to justify you getting paid what you're getting paid now for what's going to be in the service because guess what it's not going to be just power behind the service it's going to be the automated ai it's going to be the dax measures it's going to be a lot of things that are already going to be kind of you're never going to be able to take away complexity completely no you're never going to take away complexity but what i'm saying is there's going to be a lot more that we're going to need to do besides just what we do now if it's in the cloud i firmly believe that in order to say the career path because it's going to be a lot more things that are going to be handed to a company and someone says so compared to what you're doing now in desktop because it's not just going to be Power BI desktop in a browser. It's going to be like the, we're um, we're going to disagree on this one, Tommy. Okay, that's fine. We're, we're going to disagree on that one because I I definitely think there's there's SQL has been around for fifty years and there are still SQL experts that are still helping companies yeah. manage SQL. like and I think I, sure, it's this but your I, roles will change slightly, but you're still you will still be needed and there's still it, the the more you give power to people who don't know the more you have space for consultants to come in and fix problems that were just a mess because people sure. didn't understand what was happening. So I think there's always a level of that higher architecting. There's a higher level of like, we need to have a, the, the right plan to get stuff implemented. So yeah, let me get through. Let me okay, ask one yeah, more yeah, comment yeah, yeah. here. We'll save that. There's That's... another comment here around, um, I, if I say this name right, Javen's Paradox. I'm going to put it in the in the chat window. So um, I recently got asked, you know, how do you drive more usage on a tool? And I was researching, I just randomly found this on the internet. It's This is the uh, Jevons paradox. And I believe this talks around, um, it talks about economic growth and how do you drive more consumption of something. So the only way you drive more consumption, like I want people to use Power BI more. So this Javens paradox is a way that makes this possible. And if you think about driving more consumption is, you drive the cost down. You make it more efficient. So, for example, the the history of this, I'm trying to remember what was the exactly, it's basically elastic demand, right? If you lower the price on something, people will consume more of it. So let's consider, like, lighting sources. Originally, we had candles. Candles were, were laborious to make. And so you would have a candle, you'd light it, and it cost a lot of money to make light in the evenings. So you would just not use it as much. But today we have made electricity. Today, we've made power plants. Today, we have light bulbs. And the, the cost of a watt hour of light 
is so stinking cheap, like tenths of a cent of penny. Now we have this new problem called light pollution where nothing turns off. We have, we have made light so cheap that everyone overconsumes it. So that's a very oversimplified explanation. But what mm -hmm. I think about here is I think about, okay, if you want more people to consume Power BI, if you want more people to consume Power Apps, you know, the data platform dynamics, you have to increase your efficiency and lower the cost as an operator to bring that down. And the only way you can do that is go to the cloud because I can have many people sharing the same infrastructure and it drives my operator's cost down, which means I can provide lower base features to more people. And Javen's paradox means if you do that, you will drive additional consumption. And so that's that's really my premise here is like if you use this mathematically proven and, and actually like, you know, case by case things, if you reduce the cost of fuel, people consume more of it. It's the same thing with gas prices. If you drop the price of grass, drop the price of gas, SUV sales go through the roof because people consume more gas. If you bring those prices up, you see Teslas and other like electronic electric vehicles sales go through the roof because they don't the price of electricity is so much cheaper compared to the price of gas. So I think that's the key here with going to the cloud. It's it's this economy of scale pattern that you leverage on top of our business tools. And that's and that's I think why companies continue to go towards the cloud. Uh, because it's more economical for them. I'm lowering mm -hmm. their costs. I don't have an initial capital investments of servers and SQLs and all the other licensing things. It just goes away and I pay for what I use. And that way, we, and then I can truly say, you know, is this new report, is this new feature, is this new app, is it saving me time or money? If it's not doing one of those two things, we don't do it. So anyways, a lot of th theory and thought on top of that. So that's what I would say for that more cloud, more of the things. And then my next part of this would probably be around a $20 I would spend on more data processing. I, I absolutely mm -hmm. love Databricks and, and how data flows through. I think Delta Lake is a game changer for how this is all going to work. Um, I also think that the SQL serverless is a game changing, again, to say it again, a game changing technology that is, it, it's different. It allows me to access data at rest in blob storage in Synapse. And I think that's, that's a winning that's a winning technology right there. I think you can scale to much, much more data. Um, and data processing, if you read any of the trends, in yeah. the next, what, five years, we're going to double. I don't, know what, I don't know what if it's five or ten years. In the next five or ten years, we're going to double the amount of data that has ever been created since the beginning of computer time. Like, <laughs> like think about that. Like, you're seeing a, a huge exponential trend of additional data. How do we get through all of that? How do we process, like... That's a lot of money to spend just to eat that data. And you just think about the web or the internet in general. If you're just trying to get data off the internet, there's tons of internet to go through and right. get data from. So like, how do you get through all that? And where do you find the insight? What is actionable? There's gonna be a lot of data with noise. It's just junk, you gotta throw it out. But how do you weed through it to get it correct? And I think there's problems here that big data technology is solving that we have to keep investing in and putting into. Um, and that's here, that's, uh, that's 40, that's $80. 80. So I'll probably throw another $10 here at, okay, I will throw $10 at this. I think there's a very confusing story around dynamics, dataverse, and what does all this thing mean? I don't like the story. I think the story's right, but I don't understand how it works. And I think I would tighten I up like that, that story and I would make it a, a more solidified, a solidified experience. I think, against my understanding, I think Power Apps is dynamics. I think it's one and the same. The only addition that Power Apps has above whatever Dynamics was doing was we have additional data sources. So Dynamics was like, we have a data system that stores your information for CRM. Power Apps has that, and I can connect to Excel, SharePoint, SQL Server, like all these other things, and then build UIs on top of all that. So I would like them just to like make the story clear Take whatever you have of Power Apps, deprecate what you can of Dynamics, and just make it the same thing. And then make the story clear for what is Dataverse. What, how do I use it? What's that story there? And, and solidify yeah. that. So I think that's a, a $10. That's kind of around the data processing, though. I think it adds value there. Um, but it, it needs more, in my mind, consolidation. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think so, you're dead on in that one. So I think I'm at another $10 left. 
And I think I'm going to, for, for me, because I'm in the Power BI space, right? I'm going to be very specific about this. I think the visuals need more code. So we have a good, we have a great starting point for people building out of the box visuals today. Love it. There are certain visuals that I think are next level visuals that we have to start ad adhering to as a standard. For example, Vega and Vega Lite. This is an open source community standard that provides a language, JSON structure, to help you build a chart. Very much more flexible than what your normal charting can do. I wanna see more investment in Charticulator. This is a UI that does very much the same thing. It, it takes a lot of these cues from Tableau, what Tableau was doing with like this object-based visualization thing and builds it right in the desktop and gives you highly customized things. So you can build a KPI card with 10 KPIs on it and it's, you dream it, you can put it on a page. Like there's, there are some limitations to it, but their limitations are much less than the standard KPI visual. And so I think, I think yes, there's a good entry point. We've done a good job with the low code visuals today, but we need some medium or pro code visuals that are not R, R or Python. They need all the functionality of the normal visualization suite application, cross filtering, drill into, drill to other, like we need that. But we need things like in visual calculations. I wanna take, render me a, a visual and then let me do an inside calculation into the visual. Charticulator allows you to do that. That's a framework that gives you what you need there. So I would like to see more development in that piece. So I think for me, very selfishly, uh, Power BI is a great tool. Uh, it, it's, it does amazing things. Organizations need to be using it. But for me, I need a bit more pro code in the visual space and not necessarily custom visuals all the time. Because you go to that, it's, it's not that. When you hit custom visuals, it's, you're way into the deep end, the weeds. Mm -hmm. I need something a but little even, bit even, less than even that. To your, yeah, but even to your point, standards, like standardizing yeah, right. standardizing all the visuals within Power BI so they present the same way. Standardizing yeah. fonts across, you know, I mean, there's so much in there that yep. precision, refinement that, that can yeah. be done that just makes the experience better. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Mike. I love that, you know. Yeah, I like the selfish one. I like the selfish no, one. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's selfish at all. Like, because my, Seth talked about that too. There should be an easier way. If I want the titles to be a certain way, yes, to not have to like tediously go back to each visual and yes. make sure. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think that would be another a, a huge win. There is just being able to like give people a bit more code, right? Uh, yeah. Every visual has some level of padding on it. Let me let me adjust that. Like, just mm -hmm. just expose to me some code that I can use to override whatever those properties are in the visual at the, right. at the core level. Or, you know, again, give me something like a, give me like a framework like Vega Lite, like invest in Vega because yeah. Vega is a standard. It does, right. I mean, you look at their examples of what they have. They've got crazy stuff. It's just stuff all over the place. You can, you can, you can draw a lot of different things and it's this, you know, what they call, I don't know, I don't even know what the word really means. Bespoke <laughs> language for visual building or whatever that is. So, it's this concept where you can like use this language to describe what you want to draw and then it's in interpreted and then built. And there's already a rich community around that, right? So you don't have to yeah, build well, this from scratch. Someone else yeah. is already maintaining it, updating it, and then so uh, contribute uh, to that community, make that standard better and make it for what we can use in Power BI Desktop. I'm completely surprised, Mike, you said take a Vega Light or in Vega and not articulate, take it out of the garage and put into a standard UI that Microsoft's developed. I know it's from Microsoft, but it's from the Microsoft's research lab, their garage. Yep, yep, exactly. So, like that's where I would I would imagine because then you give everyone Microsoft and Power BI on the platform, they're all about user interface. Yes. Right? Yes. So what makes what would make more sense is actually putting the money into giving me experience in particular, make it a third party tool for crying out loud or something, but make that that UI more accessible, revamp it. Yep. Because that has everything you need. I think that Vega could solve too. I, I agree. And I, I think where I'm going is I, I've seen uh, the Deneb project from Daniel Marsh yeah. Patrick. Amazing. And there's been some really cool visuals, very pretty visuals coming out of there. That's like, okay, if you spend a little time in it, like if you understand yeah. how to like, again, it's one of these mind shift differences, right? I'm not just dragging dimensions and, and measures onto yep. a table anymore. I'm doing much richer things around like the visual building of pieces. So, um, uh, I think there needs to be a bit, to your point, Kami, there needs to be some more pro code items here yep. uh, on top of this. And I think, yeah, I think that's where I would spend my money. I think that's a hundred bucks. Well, I would love to talk about this for another three hours because I think there's enough content here. You're on vacation. But, but I'm on you vacation. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So guys, I think this was phenomenal. I think Thank this you. was a good I, conversation. I, 
Yeah, I would love to. I would love to change my budget because this was, this was really great. So we'll know. We'll know in two years if James Phillips is actually an avid listener of the podcast. Exactly. We'll know. <laughs> so we got him on the ropes now. You know, this will be this will be a fun revisiting episode. Stuff. We should. We should. <laughs> Uh, we should make sure. So uh, in the chat here for us, make sure you guys, I, Seth, I kind of tried to get your notes down for what your stuff was, but right. do, do me a favor, Seth, write down your yeah. spend on your breakdown on spend. And what we'll do is we'll revisit this. Oh, we'll write it down. I'll put it all in a notebook and we'll write it down and we'll revisit this one year from this from now. So that'll be I when we have, that. we'll be well into the, I don't know, hundreds of episodes of podcasts <laughs> and maybe, and we'll rewrite it. If, we, if we're still existing. If we still then. exist by then. Uh, if Power BI hasn't been canceled and and the whole thing is automated in AI in the cloud, if if we still have jobs, <laughs> yeah, Tommy does it. This is Tommy's job then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll come back and revisit it. All right, so Tommy, this is this is a podcast for those who are who are listening. Where can you find the podcast? You can find this podcast anywhere a podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. We do a live stream every Tuesday and Thursday. So if you want to join in live on the conversation, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, you can find the link on the PowerBI.tips YouTube channel. Uh, you continue to listen on the podcast platforms every Tuesday and Thursday. At latest, our podcast is uh, updated once we do the live stream around 11, but usually before then. And expect it every Tuesday and Thursday. With that gentlemen, thank you very much. It was a fun conversation. Uh, we went. This is a long episode. Uh, yeah. I didn't think again. I didn't think this was going to be so big. We really got into the weeds. I don't know. Why you're surprised I don't know. I'm, I should just not be surprised. <laughs> we should have some much simpler topics. This is this is too heavy to to get through right in thirty on. minutes. Anyways, gentlemen, thank you very much. I will see you on Thursday. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.